40th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner 48 Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking Terps versus Indiana. 3.30 on Saturday, it is Parents Weekend. But before we get into all that, plus the Terrapin Rundown, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 and on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at YoungTerp1 and Jordan now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things off on non-Riverport this week, men's soccer suffered their first loss in nearly a month, losing 1-0 to number 13 Georgetown at home. Uh, the Terps will host number 6 Indiana on Friday. That's tomorrow. That will be tomorrow at the time most of you listen to this at 6.30. That game will be broadcast on Fox Sports 2. Supposed to be on Fox Sports 1 that got bumped because of the MLB playoffs. Uh, go support the team for this one. Should be a good game. Maryland really could use a win here, so go support. Yeah, like I said, go support this team. Should be a great atmosphere. Yep, field hockey has not played since we last aired our podcast. The team has not allowed a goal in three straight matches. They'll travel to number 9 Michigan for a game on Friday night. The Terps also had both offensive and defensive players of the week in the Big Ten. Madison McGuire on offense and Noel Frost on defense. Uh, women's soccer has lost last two games before tonight. They finished tonight's matchup against Indiana because everybody's playing Indiana this week. 0-0 tie at home. Um, at least they didn't lose this one. They lost the last two. They haven't scored a goal, though, in three straight games now. Yeah, um, no Maryland team has lost to Indiana yet, but that does ruin every team beating Indiana. Volleyball beat Indiana 3-2, to two, coming down from two sets to zero to beat former head coach Steve Aird and the Hoosiers yesterday at the Xfinity Pavilion. The Terps now take on number five, Nebraska, at home on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Big game, uh, big stage, need a... They should get a huge crowd out there at the Xfinity Pavilion for this one. Try and make it two straight wins and a win. That'll be big on their tournament resume. Yep, uh, pushing on to some non-rev news. Christy Tolliver appeared alongside Elena Deladonna on Good Morning America Monday as an WNBA champion. She's really blossoming to start with the Mystics, and it's really great to see her succeed in such a great way. Championship. They also talked Terps for about 30 seconds, uh, less than 30, like 15 seconds on Good Morning America and how Christy Tolliver won that championship and comparing the two, she said it's different to win on, uh, I guess, all three levels, high school, college, and WNBA. Anthony Cowan was named to the Bob Cousy watch list for the best point guard in America alongside 19 other players. And let's talk some pro Terps, kick it off with the XFL draft. Yeah, six players from the Terps were selected in the XFL those would be Michael Dunn to the Seattle Dragons, Savon Walker to the New York Guardians, Trey Watson to the Dallas Renegades, Lever and Jacobs with your hometown D.C. Defenders, Damian Prince and Nick Novak with the L.A. Wildcats. And um, also related news, D.C. Defenders practice at Maryland. Uh, we saw Cardell Jones, the, um, I guess, franchise quarterback for the team. Hopefully the defenders get off to a nice start of their um, XFL run because D.C. could certainly use some winning football right now. Uh, Terps in the NFL, we'll wrap it up with our Terp of the Week. So let's kick it off with DJ Moore, who had seven catches for 73 yards in the Panthers' win over the Bucks in London. 
J.C. Jackson only took 42% of the snaps this week and recorded only one tackle. Jordan, a little bit of a cut down for him. Yep, uh, I'm not sure what happened there. He seemed to be playing pretty well, but maybe the Patriots are just playing with their depth there. Darnell Savage injured during the very controversial Monday night win for the Packers. Only played 27% of the snaps as he was injured during the game. Hopefully he recovers quickly, although he might be out this week as well. Trey Edmonds back on an NFL roster again, once again with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He'll probably be playing only on special teams. Yannick Ngakwe, one tackle and a season-low 65% of the snaps for the Jags, who lost again this week. But they seem to be playing close games every week, and now Jalen Ramsey's also gone. Yeah, but they got a pretty nice haul for him. Uh, Quentin Jefferson... Wait, hold on, hold on. I heard this stat, just interesting side note, um, about the Jags that they have traded each of their last three first-round picks, or three of their first-round picks. It's um, Jalen Ramsey, Dante Fowler Jr., and I forget who the third one is. And I believe they've gotten, like, one third-round pick and, like, three fifth-rounders for the their last three, and all those guys picked in the top ten, too. Yeah, it's that's some questionable asset management right now, but they got two first-rounders here. Now, granted, this is how I always look at it, the odds that someone's going to be as good as Jalen or um, as good as Jalen, are pretty low. That's how I always look at it. But the situation seemed untenable at this point for the Jags. They had to move him. I don't know what the Rams were doing on this case because I think they need help on the offensive line more. But we're getting a bit off topic here. Well, they went out and they traded Marcus Peters after two to the Ravens. So that there was some interesting moves by the Rams. Uh, Quentin Jefferson out in Seattle, three tackles on a season-high 87% of snaps. Jermaine Carter circling back to the Panthers has not played in the last two weeks despite not being uh, not being listed as injured could indicate that they might be willing to move him in a trade or looking into that. Uh, Ty Johnson with the Lions, no snats, stats. Uh, Vernon Davis did not play because of concussion. Sean Davis still on IR. And then we have two DMPs, Byron Cowart and Josh Woods, and then Darius Kilgo still sitting on IR. And finally, for our Turp of the Week, Jordan, a guy out by you. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't even close this week. Stefan Diggs with 11 catches, 167 yards, and three touchdowns. One of his best days as a pro, period. Uh, finally broke out, especially for all his fantasy owners, after a pretty unremarkable start to the season. It seemed like the Vikings seemed to have patched things up for now on offense with some drama brewing internally over the last couple weeks, but we'll see if they hold it together for real. Hey, Kirk Cousins still sucks, but he had a good week this week. At least when he had that good week, he beat the Eagles and not two of my other favorite teams being the Bears and the Packers. But at least they beat the Eagles, and Stefan Diggs had a monster week too. Those are two good things that the Vikings did. And now let's talk some Maryland football. Bobby Ross and the 1984 Terps will be honored at Maryland's game against Indiana this weekend. Uh, the 1984 Terps, just for reference, went 9-3 and on their season and topped Tennessee in the Sun Bowl, 28-27. to They finished the season 8-1 after starting off 0-2 with losses coming against Syracuse, Vanderbilt, and Penn State. And then after that, they were quite dominant to finish out the season. I believe that's also the team that had that comeback against Miami down in the Orange Bowl to take that game 42-40. So one of the better Maryland teams of the 80s will be honored this weekend at Maryland Stadium kind of big news because I don't really remember hearing much about Bobby Ross returning to Maryland ever. Well, losing Bobby Ross because of the Len Bias thing was 
I think, in my opinion, a program-altering thing. Because Bobby Ross was a good coach. After the trips, um, he ended up with the Chargers when they were still in San Diego and went to the ASC Championship game with them. Like, he was a good coach. They were, teams were consistently at, near the top of ACC. I think if he stayed around longer, he could be looking at a very different Maryland program. But circumstance, can't suck him out. Yeah, he also won a national championship at Georgia Tech right after Maryland. Yeah, that, that may... That's unfortunate, but that program wasn't very clean either. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of factors going on there. Um, in very bad news, at least in my opinion, Tino Ellis, starting corner, is out for the season with a quote upper body injury. No further um, analysis given by Mike Loxley. But the important thing is Tino Ellis is a done at Maryland now. He's a senior and he's not coming back. Um, but B, that's that's really bad in my opinion. Yeah, um, Maryland, very weak uh, defensive back coming into the season. Now without Tino Ellis, who wasn't having a great year, um, if you're looking for a little bit of it anyway, but still a huge loss there. We all saw what happened when we ended up with Vincent Flythe um, and Levante Gator and Dante Banks playing. And it looks like you're going to see a lot more of those three guys going forward without Tino Ellis. Hopefully Marcus Lewis can uh, get it back going and get back on the field healthy. But at this point, I mean, for this week's game, you're looking at an absolute mess of a defensive backfield. Hopefully they'll be able to change their scheme, but who knows. DJ Turner is also out for the remainder of the season due to his DUI, but he will be able to redshirt this season because he only played in three games to give him another chance for the Terps in 2020. Yeah, um, unfortunate situation with DJ Turner. He he made a mistake. It's good that he's going to get another chance. Hopefully, he will make the most of it. We'll see what actually happens there. In other news of people, I guess, being out for the season, for lack of a better term, Tyler Devera is transferring out of the program. He's a tight end. Uh, didn't really get on the field this season. Stuck behind Tyler Mayberry and Chigo Conquo. Not a big loss, but it always is disappointing when someone doesn't work out as a Terp. Um, now to some more, perhaps, relevant news. Tyler... Pegrome appears to be starting this weekend. Tyler DeSue has taken most of the second-team snaps, and Josh Jackson has seen some limited reps, but it doesn't seem like he's going to play. Also, Pegrome was named captain this week, which would definitely indicate he's starting. So I know a lot of us didn't like what we saw, but it looks like we're going with Piggy again next week, Mason. Yeah, I can't stand it, honestly. I didn't think Piggy is not meant for this system. It's as simple as that, unless you want to start running him a lot. Hopefully, Coach Loxley and Montgomery will be able to figure that out, but... I mean, Anthony McFarland also looking doubtful for this week. I don't think he's going to play. Uh, this this could be a mess of a game, and I think that Piggy is the absolute wrong decision for the team if they're going to try and stick with the RPO scheme. He is not made for it. He cannot throw slant routes like that. Go to Tyler DeSue. Go to Lance Lejean. I really hope Josh Jackson can go, though. It really doesn't look like it, especially with, again, Piggy being the captain. I, I agree that Piggy is not the right guy for this scheme, but I still think it is a fundamental failure of the coaching staff if you don't adapt the team to who's playing. I think it's just a failure on everybody, honestly. I think it's a failure on Coach uh, Loxley for not knowing that Tyler DeSue is better for this team and the system that he wants to run. I think it's a failure on uh, Tyrell Pigrome, especially on some of those uh, swing pass plays and slant plays where he's just not putting the ball in the right places. I'm not saying that P can't do it. I'm just saying that if you look at his skill set and look at what they're trying to do, those two things don't really match up. I he, he makes those 
honestly, I go back, uh, if you really think about the Purdue play, I know that was very uh, almost irrational in the last podcast, but if you go back to the Purdue game and you look at the slant play where the ball went right through the hands of Daryl Jones and it was an interception when Maryland looked like they were trying to get themselves together and back into the game, they're just pl- places where you can point to and guys are dropping passes, committing penalties on touchdown plays, dropping the ball in the end zone if you're Anthony McFarland. It was just a mess of a game from all perspectives, honestly. And if they want to give P another chance, I can understand that. But I kind of like what I see out of Tyler DeSue most of the time. I'm just saying, if Josh Jackson can go, this offense best fits him. It's as simple as that. Even though he has not played well necessarily, he's the guy that's been in there when you're winning games. Piggy's had opportunities to come in in other drives and other games, and he hasn't done much. It's just it's an offense shaped around Josh Jackson and in the future Lance Lejean. The other two guys, Piggy and Tyler DeSue, don't. They just happen to be there, kind of. They're not really main guys. I disagree, but we're going to next week with a fresh perspective, and hopefully... Well, why do you disagree? I just kind of want to hear about that. What? Why do you disagree? I don't disagree. I think what you're saying is right, but I think that if you're... I don't disagree that Tyler Pergrom can do better. He can do better. We've seen this before. But... I think that I just don't understand at a very basic, basic level. If you are Scotty McEnroe and Mike Loxley, and you're looking, you're put, you're going with Pagrom. That's fine. He's next on the depth chart. He's proven he can play well. Why are you not changing what you're doing to fit him better? He is a very different quarterback than Josh Jackson. He he does best when he runs the ball. He's a running quarterback in the simplest terms. And he's really good at that. I don't know why you don't change it to fit him. If you're going... I think it makes you look really stubborn and just stupid, honestly, if you're going to keep doing the same stuff with a different guy, with a very different skill set. You have backups, usually, that can do similar things if that's what you want. If you're not going to change your scheme, you need to put players in there that can succeed in that scheme. You see this with the Ravens. I know we have a lot of Ravens fans who listen to us. The backup is RG3 because he can run similar stuff to Lamar Jackson. It makes sense. I know in college it's different because you're just going with the best guys in the field. That's not the case, really. You have another quarterback in the Sioux who can do similar things to Josh Jackson, at least to closer than Pagrom can. And the fact that you're just hanging Pagrom out to dry in this scheme, I think is just, it's, it's not fair to him. It upsets me. It doesn't put the team in a place to win. It doesn't put the quarterback in a place to succeed. I just don't know what you're doing. I agree with that, but that kind of goes to the fact or to the point of almost why is a guy like Piggy really still here, honestly? Why do they still have a run-first quarterback? Why? I know that he is better than Tyler DeSue. When it comes down to it, that's probably I mean, he's beat out Tyler DeSue for two years even though it seemed like D'Souza a little bit more of a pro-style fit that would fit with both Matt Canada and this current offense. But it's just like, with Kasim and Piggy, you had the same thing. It's just such a different guy playing quarterback between those two and now between Josh and Piggy that it almost seems to me that there's a reason why teams want quarterbacks that go together. And Piggy seems to be that outlier here, and he was the outlier before, and... It's really like he hasn't fit in the scheme since it was Perry Hills and Tyrell Pigrome with Walt Bell calling the offense. That's why he was here. It's just, 
I mean, now we're looking at a different scenario, even though Walt Bell and DJ Durkin were the ones that also brought Kasim Hill in. It's just like Piggy has almost been done wrong by the offensive schemes over here because he doesn't fit with the other quarterbacks in the room. I think that, oh, you asked why Piggy's still here. I think the reason that you, you pointed this up for that, well, actually, it seems so intent keeping him here is I, from everything I've seen, it seems like Piggy is a very important locker room guy. Every time I go to practice or see practice videos, he seems like he's in the middle of the bunch. He's telling jokes. People seem to be talking to him. I think he is one of the staples of the chemistry of the team. That's me looking outside in, but that's my theory on why Loxley has been so intent in keeping him here. That's just what I think. But I think they're going to give him another chance on Saturday, and if that's the case, hopefully he succeeds. It just seems like Piggy, at least to me, and this is kind of the negative Maryland fan in me, Every time Piggy touches that field, Maryland's like a few plays short. They were, I mean, they lost that Purdue game 40-14, to 14, but you really look at it, there were a few plays in the game, the McFarland touchdown and the first touchdown, that Maryland makes those plays, they probably win. Against Ohio State, Maryland makes that last play, they probably win. Against Indiana, he doesn't drop the ball, they probably win. You just keep going with these things, and it just seems like Piggy, a lot like Maryland football as of recent, is just a few guys short, a few plays short. It's just, he's the emblematic symbol of what this program is. And it really just shows the fact that we have to change our whole offense to go to our backup quarterback, how far we are away from being a real football program that has a true next man up attitude. I'm not saying that's his fault that he's here, because they did want him here. It is obvious to me that they wanted him here. It's obvious to you, Jordan. You've been to a few practices that they want Piggy here. He was competing for the job. It just seems like you set yourself up for failure when your backup and or your starter has no true backup that can do the same things, that has the same skill set. That's just me. Let's talk some Indiana. ...in quarterback situation themselves. They are starting freshman Michael Penix, who won the job from last year's starter Peyton Ramsey, who a lot of us may remember. Uh, Ramsey's played a little bit this season, but Penix is the guy, and he has earned that role. He has played phenomenally for them. Since week one, where he threw two interceptions, he has only thrown one, which was last week against Rutgers, so that didn't really matter. Um, he kept them in the game at Michigan State, threw three touchdowns in that game, only missed nine passes. He's really played well for them, and it is going to be a challenge, I think, for the secondary to keep up with Indiana. They have been, I know this is weird because it's Indiana, but they have been proficient on offense this season. Yeah, I think that Maryland's going to be able to stay in this game. I think the Terps should be able to score along with Indiana. Indiana's defense has had a pretty up-and-down season ever since uh, week one, they won 34-24 to against Ball State. They then gave up. Uh, they were able to shut out Eastern Illinois. Jordan, are they any good in the FCS? No, they are not. They gave up 51 against Ohio State, which is pretty unstandard. Three against the fighting Randy Etzels of UConn. 40 against Michigan State, and then they were able to blank Rutgers. Not an easy team to read as far as the defensive side of the ball goes, but it seems to be a pretty up-and-down year for their defense. Maryland, at least in my mind, even with the injuries, even with you don't really know who's going to play, is kind of a team that I don't think Indiana's played yet. I mean, if you look at the wins that come against Rutgers, we all know Maryland's better than Rutgers. UConn, UConn's one of the worst teams in the FBS. Ohio State, who's one of the better teams. And then Ball State, but that game was all the way back in August, so can you really still count it? There has been no Maryland-level team, as bad as you might think Maryland is, that Indiana's even touched the field against. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. They only played, as you said, really good teams like Ohio State, Michigan State's 
Michigan okay, State's like the tier above Maryland, but they're not on the Maryland level. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think Michigan State's very good personally, but I agree they're better than Maryland. Um, you're right, they don't play anybody like us, so it's gonna be hard to gauge where they stand. But just personally, where I, from what I expect, I think Indiana is going to hang up forty points on us. But you see, the factor is, I think that's true too, but can we hang 40 on them? Which I think, uh, given who plays, I mean, this could be a game where the Maryland running game actually gets going the way that's supposed to look, especially if they put in more option with Piggy. I think Maryland, for some reason, the score to this game, I haven't even made up in my mind who's going to win it yet, will be 40-something to high 30s or 40. I think this game's going to be a true shootout, like it has been in the past. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, looking at some other key players on Indiana, they got Stevie Scott, the third, who's their starting running back, already at 445 this season, more rushing yards than anybody in Maryland, although he's pretty much the focus of the backfield, so take what you will from that. Their receiving core is interesting. They have, their receiving core is led by the a man by the name of Wop Filler. That is first name W-H-O-P. Billior, I think. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's, it's a weird name. But he has already has over 500 receiving yards, 41 receptions. They're a deep receiving core. They got Donovan Hale next to him with 16 receptions, 283 yards, and a tight end, Peyton Hendershot, who I've heard is a front runner for um, Big Ten first-team tight end, 256 yards. Hurdy's a nice blocker. They're deep on the receiving end, and their offense is just high-powered. It really is. Even that 10 points against Ohio State is more than most teams have been able to put up against them. I know that's not saying much, but I think it's just another accolade they can hang their hat on. And with the way that our defensive backfield is played and the way it's projecting to next week, I think there's a possibility we will get absolutely torched by this team. I think that's a possibility, too. Quick look at the last time the two teams played at Maryland Stadium. Maryland wore those, if you remember, those yellow uniforms or those gold uniforms. The official color is gold. Against Indiana and the Maryland football 125 game. The Terps topped Indiana 42-39. to uh, Max Bortenschlager played at quarterback for the Terps, was 10 for 16 for 171, two touchdowns. And somehow Maryland put up 42 points. I cannot quite figure out how, given that Ty Johnson only ran for 98 yards and uh, Lolo Harrison only went for 67. Last year they lost... To Indiana in a very disappointing game by the score of what was it last year, thirty-five to thirty-two. Yeah, that was that was a real heartbreak. I remember that game. But that was another time going back two years that we didn't think Maryland was going to be able to win with Max in there, a quarterback, and the way that Indiana was looking. But the Terps pulled it out, put up forty-two points with Matt, Max Bortenschlager in there at QB. So let's not count ourselves out yet. I know a lot of people want to count this team out. They want to say that Maryland's out of the fight. They're done. But hopefully the Turks can battle to 4-3 and three this season and then, you know, take it week by week because Nebraska's not looking too good anymore. I'm sure everyone can attest to that for the way they performed. Michigan State's not looking like they're the strongest team in the world. And you got two question marks. Like, this Indiana team could be really good. Who knows? They could blow Maryland out of the water, go on, beat Michigan, beat Michigan um, well, they already played Michigan State. I was going to say beat Michigan State. But they can, you know, finish out the season 8-4 and four or something like that. You don't know. The next two teams that Maryland plays, Minnesota, who everyone's starting to get hyped up about, and Indiana are kind of question mark teams that really haven't played anybody yet. And they've played, 
In the case of Indiana, no close games. In the case of Minnesota, a lot of. So you don't really know where Maryland sits at this point in the season. I'm just saying there could be some teams that just don't show or that aren't really built to play close games, like in Indiana, who's going to start a freshman at quarterback. Who knows what happens if you put some pressure on this kid late in the game? You really don't know how he's going to perform. That's a fair assessment. This is a really big game for both these teams, although less so for Indiana. If no, it's a big this... game for Indiana. It really say, is. If they win this game, then they're at 5-2. And they line up against Nebraska and Northwestern next two weeks. Like, they are, I'm sure their fan base is hyped up because they could be 7-2 and two going into Penn State. The importance of this game for Indiana, it's, as far as I think Indiana football fans' confidences are concerned, they need to win this game for bowl eligibility. You're going on the road to Maryland. Let me just explain this from the Indiana perspective because Jordan and I just kind of had an off-air argument about this. They're going on the road to Maryland. That's a game they can think that they can win. Regardless of how bad Nebraska is, next week they're still going on the road to Lincoln. That's a tough game. Then they're coming home to Northwestern. They should be able to win. Then they're playing against Penn State, Michigan, and Purdue. This is a game that they still highlight on their schedule and say, if we want to be 6-6, six and six, let's win this week. Because, sure, there are some easy games there. They probably have, in their minds, four winnable games left on the schedule, if not five if they're counting that home game against Michigan. But they still really want to win this game for their bowl eligibility. It's still really important. And if, it's, and if you're Maryland, it's a must. So you're going to play against two teams, especially a Maryland team that's 3-3 three and three, that needs this game. And I think that Indiana, especially their fans, really want them to win this game, if not need them to win this game. Because that Nebraska team is kind of just a toss-up. I mean, they're a, who knows what you're going to get this week. They could come in and blow Indiana out at home. But I'm just saying, if you're Indiana, I still think you're highlighting this game because you're going on the road to Lincoln again, and you're playing your rivalry game against Purdue on the road. I still think you're highlighting this game as a must-win if you want to be a bowl-eligible team. I suppose I see where you're coming from. I think that Indiana is better than that. But I don't think that I don't think that Indiana fans think they're better than that. It's just like if you were Maryland and you were four and two instead of three and three right now, would you really think you're better than that, or do you think you had to win? I kind of agree. I think if Maryland... Well, I think Indiana's had a better season than us. How? They're 4-2. and two No, I was saying, I gave teams. you the question, if Maryland was 4-2 and two right now, would you still think they needed to win? Maryland beat Syracuse, Howard, and... Uh, now I can't... Rutgers, and if they were 4-2, and two, they would have beaten Purdue. How is that any better than Wall State, Eastern Illinois, and UConn? Or in Rutgers? Because they've lost to better teams than us. I think it's a big difference there. Temple, at this point, is pretty good, and so is Penn State. Well, we're going to see how good Temple really is. they got a huge game against SMU this weekend. But they beat up on uh, Memphis and Georgia Tech and Maryland, so they can't be that bad. Oh, we're going to find out. Um, okay, we're getting a bit heated here for the wrong reasons. What does Maryland need to do to win this game? I say keep the ball on the ground. Piggy and Javon Leak. If Anthony McFarlane could go, that's great. If not, Tayon... Tayon Fleet Davis gets his chance to really prove himself. I think that he's starting to get a little bit frustrated with his role. Javon Leak is going to have to show that he can be a main back going into next year. And just keep it on the ground with Piggy. Don't throw the ball. As simple as that. I just say run. Run to the edges. Get the ball out to the outside. you got guys who can make plays. Give them the ball 
in positions, in well-blocked positions to win the game. I think they had the right idea with the swing pass. They just mis-executed it. It was terrible execution on those plays. That's the kind of play that we need to run. Get the ball out quick to the edges. Hopefully these receivers that were pretty much recruited to block by Walt Bell can actually do that and will come out with a win. I really do think if they can execute that swing pass and get the ball out on the edges, maybe run Piggy a little bit more, I think we come away with a win. I don't think Indiana is really... Uh, knows what to expect for a team that's pretty even with them, like at Maryland. I don't think they've played a team like us yet. Just please, throw the ball down the field, and for once, if you're a guy like Jalen Duncan, if you're a guy like Johnny Jordan, show what you can do. If I am Coach Reagan, the offensive line coach, or if I, actually, I'm going to say if I'm Coach Loxley, I am going to my offensive line room, and I am saying, I don't care who you are. Like, if you're Johnny Jordan and you are on that Remington Award watch list at the beginning of the season, I don't give a F who you are. Go out there and show me that you can line up with the next guy that's standing right in front of you and punch him in the effing mouth. I've had it with the way that we're playing. Let's go out there and show that we have any bit of toughness, or maybe I should go out there and recruit a bunch of two-stars and they can play next year. Because the way that we are playing right now is not to the level of the talent that we have. Now, if I'm him, I'm also saying I don't care if you were playing defensive line like three months ago or during the spring and we switched you to offensive line then. Go out there and show me that you still have some heart to play the game of football and punch them in the mouth. It's as simple as that. Block the guy in front of you. If you're Jalen Duncan, you really have to get up in his face and tell him that you don't care who he was in high school, that he has to prove himself now and this week because we need to get it done this week. We... As far as a program, and I know that Maryland likes to ignore their fans to the best of their ability, are on the edge of blowing up. Testudo Times has a full poll that they take all over America about, like, fan, I believe it's like fan belief that their football program is going in the right direction or something. And yeah. Maryland hit a low this week. If you are in that media department, if you're in that donations department, you have got to be going to Coach Locks and saying, we got to do something this week. Because we had everybody on our side, but after what we put out, the product, as far as this is concerned, this is a business, the product that we put out last week is absolutely unacceptable. We have got to turn it around. Nobody cares that we beat Rutgers. People care if we win this game. Let's go out there and do it, and let's please compete against an Ohio State, a Michigan, or show that we have something going right for us. Because we are losing our fan base. They do not believe in us anymore. We now have to earn back their trust that, that we had at the beginning of the season. I think you're right. This game is a this is an existential game for us. Like, Jordan, for you, remember, a lot of reasons. you remember that episode of SpongeBob where they're inside his head and it's on fire and they're all running around with paper over their head and like papers flying everywhere because the house is burning down or whatever. The house is burning down. Yeah, I remember that. That is how you have to be right now if you're Maryland, and especially if you lose this game, your house has already burned down because you're not if making you a bowl it, if you well, lose. I was gonna say next, if you lose this game, the season's over as far as I'm concerned. You're three and four. I know you think we're going to beat Minnesota. I really don't, Mason. But Oh, no, no, if no, no. Do, if they lose this week, they're not beating Minnesota. Well, let's just say for the sake of argument, even if you do lose this week and beat Minnesota, which would be a miracle, yeah, you're right. Um, like, what then? Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan State. Like, how many of those games can you really win? You can beat Nebraska. Michigan That's pretty has legit. has abysmal offense, but their defense is rock solid. Ohio well, Maryland's defensive line is terrible. Yeah, you're pretty much done if you lose this game. If you win this game, you might be able to pull some 
strings together, maybe beat a Minnesota and Nebraska. And even then, oh, that that would be six wins. Oh, you could beat Michigan State instead of Minnesota. Michigan State. There are some chances. If you win this week, there are chances to make a bowl game. There are a lot less than if you beat Purdue and then won this week. But, you know, you live and you learn. You keep going. It's a football season. It's a week-to-week kind of conference at this point. People are, like that Minnesota-Nebraska game, a lot of people had Nebraska winning, but that didn't happen. Anything other than beating Ohio State seems possible in this league. I'm just saying. The way that things have been shaping up. Wisconsin and Ohio State are clearly the best teams. Everyone else, maybe other than a Penn State, I don't think Penn State's slipping up against any team like a Maryland or a or Purdue or Northwestern. Those are kind of the three teams that seem untouchable. Everybody else seems to be fair game this year, though. It's not like Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State are all teams you have no chance of beating. There are beatable teams in this league. But you got to start today. Maryland's defense needs to at least put up a fight. Maryland's offense needs to, if we don't change the scheme, I think it's over before it even starts. So, Locks, please have the just sense to mold this little very piggy skill set. If you don't, I think it's over already. Um, I'm going to say Maryland loses 42-31. I, I just don't have any confidence in this program anymore. You can put me in the group that just, is, just doesn't believe in us anymore. For some reason, I think Maryland wins, even though it's against my better judgment, but there's something that just says they're winning this game. I don't know what. Get out, support our student-athletes. You know what? It is your Saturday, but get out and support our student-athletes. They need us there for this one because if they lose, as we just said, it is over. The red lights are going off. The fire alarm has been pulled. Please exit the building quickly if they lose this game because it is coming down. That's all I got to say. Win this game. Your uniforms, first of all, look hideous for this week, but win this game. Well, this is this is your season, guys. So, and if you're if you're Dante Banks, Levante Gator, Vincent Flight, this is your opportunity. You're playing in a Big Ten football game in your redshirt freshman year or your freshman year. Take advantage of it. Show that we recruited something. Wayne and I were going over the other day all the losses they've taken. Cam Spence, Austin Fontaine's playing offensive line. The Gaddies aren't really giving them anything. One of them's a third uh, string on the offensive line. Fofi Bazzi really hasn't come out and played yet at all. I mean, you can go down this list, but at the end of the day, it's R11. Just like Purdue did to us, it's the 11 guys on offense, the 11 guys on defense, and the 11 on special teams. And if those guys can play better than the other team, then we can win. Their goal for this game has to be to score more points than the other team. We can talk about all the stuff that we want to do, but at the end of the day, it's about us scoring more than the other team. So let's go out there and do that. Let's go out and show that we're still alive and we're still a football team that people can't just circle on their schedule and say we're going to beat them 42-13. to 13. Or if you're in Maryland's case, 63 to nothing. But that's my pride as a Maryland fan. I don't know if the guys on the field have that anymore. But hopefully they can show it and bring a guy even like me back to believing in them just a little bit because I don't really believe in them at all right now, despite the fact that I think they're going to win just because I don't really think Indiana's that good. But that's all i got to say for this week. Uh, that's a lot to say. Um, I don't really have anything either. Hopefully we win. I've got a lot of faith. Hopefully we can win back some faith too. And we'll see another side of this game. It's judgment day for the Terps. Yeah, as Bruce likes to say, it is judgment day. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors on the podcast, Viner Four Gates of Rockville. For all of your business IT needs, Viner Four Gates is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. 
and Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is the place to go. You can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Judgment Day for the Terps. Go out there, beat Indiana. Bring us back into the good graces of Maryland fanhood. I'm sure that everybody has pretty much our whole calendar. They might as well just burn it as far as Maryland football is concerned if they lose this game. So please do us proud and win this game. Beat Indiana. They're not that good, despite what Jordan thinks. Well, we're gonna fi- I guess Indiana's going to find out what they're made of, too. Yeah, both teams uh, are going to find out what they're made of. Game, 3.30 Saturday, College Park. Show up if you can. Again, support our student-athletes. And as always, thanks for listening.